Hello, everybody. This is your host, the Brodo Bro that you all love the most, Michael. Because <laughs> Tim, if you want to let people in on your situation, Tim cannot. Uh, his his mic isn't the greatest today. He's using uh, just the regular Apple headphones because his computer is unplugged. Why don't you tell the folks why, Tim? So I'm. Uh, yeah. What's up, Mike? I don't know. I I think that wasn't the smoothest of uh, beginnings, there, kid. I'm about to give you like a like a six point five out of ten. I mean, that's why you. I mean, that's passing sixty five. I'll take it. That's why, <laughs> that's why you're the host. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Right now, my apartment is completely upside down. My bed is currently in my living room, which is currently the only habitable room in my house, so I can't access anything. Uh, we're repainting the apartment, putting in new floors because. Uh, Got, I said this on Twitter. I said it on Instagram. But if you don't follow, me, got a little munchkin on the way. Got a little baby. My first Ew. expecting my expecting my first child uh, in the summer. So trying to get it all set up. Uh, those who don't know, I'm also a, I'm a history teacher. Outside of being a family fan, fantasy host with the most, um, yeah. So I got a week off right now, uh, and so I'm, I'm making the most of it. My wife is away. She's staying with her parents, um, and it's 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 been an odd week. I will tell you that because it's also like, you know, it's quarantine time. It's cold as, it's cold everywhere in the United States. And uh, shout out to the people in Texas who are really struggling at the moment. Um, try stay. I hope you're staying warm. Uh, you know, that's best wishes to everyone out there. But. Um, there's really nothing to do, so it's just I have I've never lived alone. I went straight from my family to roommates to my wife. So this is the longest I've ever like kind of lived alone. It's like it's weird. It's strange. I don't having trouble sleep having trouble sleeping. I don't mind it because you've been knocking out articles. That's true. I've been never knocking out articles. <laughs> so if it's, it works for me, Ex- extend it. Why don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, though, yeah, this, I mean, it's snowing again here in New York. Uh, New York One, um, I follow them on Twitter, and they said this is one of the top 10 snowiest Februaries that we've had in uh, in New York City in history. And um, it's only February 18th, and it's supposed to snow more tomorrow. I spent a majority of my day shoveling today. Just awful. Bro, you know, I, I want to I apologize to everyone for that, by the way. this is This is my fault. I was walking with my wife, and we were talking about, you know, we're talking about the earth, and we're concerned about climate change and all this stuff, and I made the foolish statement of saying, yeah, you know, maybe these mild winters are something we're going to have to get used to, and I said right after that, I probably just jinxed it, and I totally did. It is all my fault. It's all my fault, so you can blame me. Yeah. Uh, blaming you is something me and Jay have a lot of fun doing. Jason's not, <laughs> Jason's not here today. Uh, clearly if you haven't been able to figure that out yet, um, duty calls for him. Law school is kicked back up and he has some work to do for that. That, uh, is pressing has to be done by tomorrow. So he couldn't make it on here today. He, he is sorry for that, but me and Tim will make the show just as great because the special guest, eh, it's a reason why he's a special guest, right, Tim? <laughs> yeah, just before we get into the show today, I just want to remind people that patreon.com slash world of fantasy is where you can support the show. And right now we have something in the works that is going to change the game of fantasy football forever. There's really no other way to put it. 
you know, I, it's it's some it's a little bit of salesmanship, but at the end of the day, there's really nothing. There's no other way to describe it. What we're working on is going to change the fantasy football landscape as you know it. And the reason why we're capable of working on it is because of you, the fans, the patrons. Thank you so much. If you are if you are one of the people who donate and support and uh, support, thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Support us. Uh, we thank you for your support. It has allowed us to um, bring this to you. Eventually, it's being worked on. We are we are uh, we're working on getting it out to you as quickly as possible. Um, so thank you so much. If you want to contribute and get a ton of extras, like an extra episode every week, um, access to play in leagues with us. And the quicker you join, the higher priority access you have. Um, we have had situations where people had to be in two leagues because, uh, we didn't have enough to fill in a league. The people who are the longest tenured get first priority in doing that. So, and there's giveaways, and you can join our community in the Discord. So patreon.com slash fantasy to support us uh, in this endeavor, in this year-long uh, podcast, and now full, fully functioning website, and, uh, and soon to be more. Yes. To be announced soon, I think, too. So yeah, for, for sure. Keep for your sure. eyes peeled, folks. But yeah, we're going to be discussing Carson Wentz and the fun part. Uh, dream landing spots for free agents. Me and Tim will be discussing here. You want to get started, Tim? Let's do it, Mike. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Oh, yeah, Tim, you hit us with a... Very, very quick rapid reaction article. You wanna, you wanna talk about that? Yeah, I mean, so what? What Michael's talking about? Michael, I gotta say, is this your first time ever hosting? I don't host often. Jason usually does it if I don't host. Yeah, I think this is this your first. This might be the first time. Ah, uh, once or twice. Yeah. So anyway, um, for those who don't Tim's know, Tim's talking Mike- shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Michael man. is referring to Carson Wentz's trade, um, and that and today Carson Wentz was traded to the Indianapolis Colts to reunite with Frank Reich, his former offensive coordinator, when he had his best seasons in Philly. Um, he goes to Indy for a third round pick this season and a conditional second round pick that could turn into a first round pick next season. Now, from my understanding. That second-round pick will turn into a first-round pick if Carson Wentz, A, plays 75% of the snaps next season, or B, plays 70% plus the Colts make the playoffs. So basically, it's an insurance policy where they only get a second-round pick if Carson Wentz gets hurt or sucks. Uh, So, I mean, originally the reports were they were looking for multiple first-round picks for Carson Wentz which was laughed at almost immediately. But to to not even get a guaranteed first back for a guy who just signed a $100 million contract a few years ago and looked like the future of the franchise really says a lot about how far he's fallen. Um, and, you know, I, I, I looked at the trade, and, you know, this was something that was definitely expected. The Bears were in, were, were in talks for a while. We know that the Colts were in talks for a while. So... 
this is something that doesn't come as a surprise, but there are a ton of ramifications throughout the fantasy world, obviously, as this is already the second domino to fall in what could be like the most crazy quarterback switching off season we literally have ever seen. Especially if Deshaun Watson gets traded, that would be something mixed with everything that's already happening and all that's expected to happen. And we got three different quarterbacks who are probably going to go in the top 10, if not four. Um, if Trey Lance gets in there with Wilson Fields and uh, wow, I almost just fell on my chair. Uh, <laughs> Wilson Fields and of course, Trevor Lawrence, who it is February folks. So of course we are now hearing the rumblings so many insiders don't even have Trevor Lawrence as their QB one, dude. Psych. How shocking is that? Are we hearing that already? Um, it's going to be a fun few months until the draft for sure. But uh, uh, back I to- mean, Mel, I mean, Todd McShay in his latest mock draft had hit the first four picks of the draft being quarterbacks. He had Trevor Lawrence, then he had Zach Wilson, and then he had the kid from. The same place, Texas, Trey, La- Trey, Trey Lance, Lance from, yeah. the, from the same place NDSU, that Carson Wentz. Wentz yeah, yeah his, Carson Wentz is alma mater. And then they had Justin Fields going forward to Atlanta. And then they have Mac Jones from Alabama, who's also had a great senior bowl. So he, he's looking like he, can, he might move into the top. They, there might be five quarterbacks taken in this, in this draft. So it's going to be interesting. In the first it's gonna be, round. Yeah, in the first round only. So it's going to be interesting to see. Plus, like... What are they going to be the ramifications of the draft picks, too? Because if the Jets keep number two, then Sam Darnold probably gets traded. If Sam Darnold gets traded somewhere, then, like, what moves does that mean? Like, it's just a, a whole lot of dominoes that could fall uh, that who, – who knows? But this, this domino is the one that actually fell. So let's talk about it, Michael. I, I wrote an article, like you said, on BrotoFantasy.com. And it was the winners and losers of the Carson Wentz trade. So I want to go with you. I'm going to go over the winners first and then the losers. And then there are also kind of like a to be determined. Like I think there's there's question marks on some guys. And then let me know how you feel about it. Sounds good so, to me. The first winner I think is Wentz himself, right? Because people forget at the time that Wentz got benched, Wentz was on pace to get sacked as many times as uh, let me rephrase this more times than only one quarterback in the history of football. So only David Carr's two expansion seasons with the Texans were, would have been a season where a quarterback was sacked more than Carson Wentz. And that was what he was on pace for when he got benched all season. There was there was a certain point where only Jason Kelsey was the starting, um, only Jason Kelsey, the starting center, was the only offensive lineman that was set to start the season who actually was in the game. So he had they had injuries all over the line. They had absolutely no one to throw it to on the outside. Zach Ertz all of a sudden became Jason Witten. Dallas Goddard is a big guy, <laughs> sure, Witten. but he's not a yeah. He I mean he's not a, a number one. You know, Miles Sanders is a great weapon, but he was hurt. All these things around him and Carson Wentz kind of went crazy, right? Like, what made him special, the guy that ran around the pocket, and the guy that got out of all those sacks and shit, like, what made him special? When he got hurt, that got taken away. So with Wentz, I, I, I saw last year that 
the problem was behind the ears. He didn't lose his arm. He didn't lose velocity. He's still tall as shit. You know, he's still he still got the quick release. Like everything that made Carson Wentz an MVP candidate just the year prior is still there. Now he goes to the Colts. The Colts have arguably the best offensive line in the league. They have a bunch of young weapons on the outside. Michael Pittman led the league in a Brodo exclusive stat that our very own Santiago Casanova. Uh, uh, oh my God. Santiago Casanova, sorry, came up with himself, where I, I can't remember the name of the stat, but it it basically measures how many more yards after catch a person gets above expected. And Michael yeah, Pittman. Expected yards after catch uh, is basically over expectation, is, is the stat. So you said it, just a, a very long winded version of it. <laughs> right, right. So basically. I mean, Michael Pittman was number two in that stat, so he's he's showing the, that ability to make plays. Paris Campbell still can't really stay healthy, but he's a great slot receiver when he's on the field, and we haven't seen we haven't seen it only in small quantities, but you expect you see that he has that. Then you have the veteran wide receiver outside T. Y. Hilton. You have the trio of tight ends that are all capable of receiving. You have Naheem Hines in the backfield. You have Jonathan Taylor, who's one of the up and coming running backs in the league. There is no question. That the winner, the big winner of this trade is Carson Wentz himself. I don't disagree at all. Uh, last time Carson Wentz had decent weapons and a strong offensive line, he was in the MVP race. And I think people are forgetting that too much. Look, did Wentz also have just bad mental plays and just bad form? And he did not look like MVP Carson Wentz last season, not only because of the offensive line. He just didn't look good. He missed throws. Yes, but a lot of that has to do with his weapons, his offensive line, the play calling. Last season, I I got so mad every time I watched an Eagles game because they just never did anything to try to open up the field. It was either run the ball up the middle or just or a regular I don't like I they I spoke about it all the time last season got me so mad. They just like never even scripted Miles Sanders into the passing game even though he was so dynamic as a pass catcher his rookie season. Caught like four or five balls over 20 yards. And then that just they took that completely out of the playbook last season. And now he's heading to Indy with Frank Reich who was the offensive coordinator when Carson Wentz was his MVP self. And we we did a we had a poll um, after Patrick Mahomes his performance in the Super Bowl where obviously Mahomes had a down game and we said with Eric Fisher out and his beaten up offensive line he was getting destroyed and he just couldn't do anything about it does this make you change your mind about guys like Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold and three quarters of the responses were yeah I'm I'm reconsidering if Wentz and Darnold are just pure trash or if it's actually the offensive line. Um, that's really behind it. And now we will be able to find out. And, I mean, it's a low cost to pay for Indy as well. A third-round pick. And if the second-round pick becomes a first-round pick, it's because the trade was likely a success. So those those types of it can become, like, contingency trades, it, it only ever happens if it ends up being a good trade. So I'm sure they're not going to be upset about it if it becomes a first-round pick. They're in a win-now mode. They had a very good season last year with Phillip Rivers on their center, and Phillip Rivers is a very solid quarterback. I think uh, if Carson Wentz even plays at that level, they're going to be just as good as they were this year, and if he plays better than that, which we've seen 
uh, Carson Wentz play, and he's way more agile than Philip Rivers, they could have a very a very uh, interesting and exciting offense going forward. So Carson Wentz has to be ecstatic with that landing spot, I think. I think that if you were to ask Carson Wentz, like, what's your dream's landing spot? I think Indy is number one. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you, you just you really can't complain about anything there um, for a quarterback. I mean, not to mention the fact that he, they also have a good defense on the other side. And I, I, I really – I wonder if he's broken. I do. I, I think Carson Wentz, this is his opportunity to, to bounce back. But, you know, a lot of the sacks that he was taking last year were on his own. And a lot of the things that he was doing was just like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, like, so it's, it's a lot of – it was a lot of that last year. So let's see if he can break out of that. If there's anything that can break out of it, it's the league's best offensive line and – his former offensive coach when he had his best season. So he's he's set up for success. I think the second guy that's set up for success is also Jalen Hurts. Now, I don't want to get into whether I think Jalen Hurts is going to be a good player in real life because Jalen Hurts, the, the jury's out. And we're gonna talk I'm gonna talk more about that later. But Jalen Hurts automatically becomes, I think, a because of a little hype behind him as well. I think he becomes one of the mid-range quarterbacks, the mid-round quarterbacks. I think that's because he has such a, a baseline with his feet. I think that banking on Jalen Hurts next year to rush for 50 yards a game is not out of the question. I'd say it's more likely than unlikely. And when you are at quarterback and you have that baseline of running, it's extremely valuable um, in fantasy. So I think that Jalen Hurts is going to Definitely have some hype involved with him going into this. And I think that, you know, the path is cleared now. He's a winner in this trade because now he's a starting quarterback. And there are some rumors on Twitter that the Eagles are not happy with Hurts either and that they're not set at quarterback. And then they trade it. No, look, you don't trade Carson Wentz if you don't already have the next guy on the roster. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's that simple. So, I Jay, I think Jalen Hurts is a winner here just because now he's got the opportunity to be something. And I don't know if I'm going to be the person with him on my roster. I probably won't be. Uh, but there's going to be some people who reach for him early next year because of what he presents and his uh, his rushing prowess. Yeah, all about the legs when it comes to Hurts, obviously. I mean, he showed it this year. Um, and we've seen it more and more over the past several years if a quarterback can run his value increases immensely in fantasy football world. So I do think, I, I assume Hertz is going to go into the season as the starting quarterback. He's probably going to end up being drafted as like a 10 to ten to 12th quarterback off the board just because of his rushing appeal. And I think the third winner of the, the, uh, the trade is Jonathan Taylor. Now there's no real, there's no real reason, uh, you know, besides that, now defenses don't have to zone it and lock in on him. I think before this, Phillip Rivers had retired, so you're looking at, all right, there's going to be a change in Indy. There's going to be a new quarterback. Jacoby Brissett is probably not going to be the answer. But you are looking right now at Jacoby Brissett. And so let's say you go into a into the season with a Jacoby Brissett type, Derek Carr. I heard they were, I heard there were some talks for Derek Carr in Indy. Derek Carr type 
quarterback, kind of like a mid-range type replacement type guy. Uh, and you're looking at down the barrel of that if you're Jonathan Taylor and people and, and defenses are going to make life hard for you because you're not going to have that safety valve. You're going to want the quarterback to beat them. Now, if Carson Wentz can return back to his old ways, it's going to be the complete opposite where Jonathan Taylor is going to have open lanes to run in because not only is his offensive line one of the best offensive lines in the league, like I said before, if not the best, uh, there's also you can't have nine, eight, nine guys in the box versus him. You can't do it. So I think Jonathan Taylor wins here. I think that he's all, he was already going to be a first-round pick uh, in redraft leagues going into next season. But I think Jonathan Taylor is the guy that I, I'm, take, I'm keep, keeping an eye on that might creep up and creep up and creep up, creep his way right into the top six of the draft this year. Yeah, um, he is someone who is going to be, I agree, uh, very, very popular this draft season as a top five running back off the board. Maybe even a top five pick is if the hype gets to that level. And I, I, I guess winner, I don't know about like winner, winner here. I mean, he already had a, well, which should be like a tremendous role um, going into next season. Uh, I guess Carson Wentz's legs may open up some more like dump offs or something of that sort to Jonathan Taylor. But I mean, I, I don't think this is a huge needle moving move for him, maybe slightly upwards. But yeah, either way, Jonathan Taylor is looking uh, pretty damn good heading into 2021. All right, Mike, let's get into these losers. Loser. The losers. All right, so the losers are the Eagles wide receivers. Because, look, Jalen Hurts, his value comes with his legs. But in order for him to make a wide receiver valuable next year, he's going to have to improve tremendously. This dude passed for 52% um, completion percentage and a QBR of 41 that's good for 33rd in the NFL. That is not going to cut it as a passer. Now, he did have that one long touchdown pass, an 81-yard touchdown pass to Deshaun Jackson. But let's take out that play because that play actually is not only the longest play of, of uh, the Eagles' season under, under Hurts, but that play is the best fantasy performance from a wide receiver under Hertz. That play is the best fantasy performance under Hertz. No wide wide receiver besides Deshaun Jackson that one play recorded more than 63 yards in a game with Hertz under center. The best fantasy performance was Quez Watkins, 11 and a half points, half PPR. The Eagles wide receivers already were not good. <laughs> and now they have a person that's throwing to them that's not good. You know, he could get better, but like he's not just going to jump from 52% to 67%. Like, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a slow progress if the progress is made. And look, Jalen Hurts has, has proved people wrong at every single level. What he did, well, leaving Alabama and going to Oklahoma and lighting it up in Oklahoma, that was fire. Like, I, I, I fuck with Jalen Hurts a lot, but you cannot, you cannot bank on an Eagles wide receiver this year with him throwing down the ball yeah and it's just it's funny to me that like people are like I see people out here now on Twitter getting mad like you you guys think Jalen Hurts can't play 
because he because of his completion percentage in his first uh, four games in the league. Like one, no, like no one said he can't play, and two. If his completion percentage was like 85% his first four games, you probably would be going nuts talking about how good he is. So relax yourself there. Um, it, it counts. Those games count. He didn't perform very well. Yes, he can improve going into uh, his second year, but they're going to need to get better weapons because if Carson Wentz was that bad and Jalen Hurts wasn't that much better, I mean, they're going to need to do something going into next season because, like you said, Quez Watkins as the highest performer in a as a receiver in a game with Hertz at QB is just isn't gonna cut it. Speaking of that as well, I think Miles Sanders is another loser because of all the reasons I said. Miles Sanders, remember, Miles Sanders this season had two big runs, and the two big runs he had was one was against the Steelers, who was the number one rushing defense at the time. And then later on in the year, he had an 82-yard TD run against the Saints, who were the number two rushing defense yep. in the league. Remember that? Yep. So besides that run, though, Sanders failed to reach more than 64 rushing yards or 26 receiving yards in any game that Hurts was playing. In fact, again, you have to take away that, that one rush. Taking away that one rush, he did not lead the team in rushing in any game when Hertz was quarterback. Again, if you take away that one rush. Hertz himself led in two of the games outright and would have led in the Saints game, again, if you take that runaway. So, um, I mean, Miles Sanders already was kind of a disappointment last year. Um, Deuce Staley, you know, a lot of people were talking about DeAndre Swift. Uh, Deuce Staley says he's going to get 25 carries. Everyone go uh, buy DeAndre Swift. I saw someone trade Jonathan Taylor for DeAndre Swift in Dynasty. And I, I'm like, what the beep? You know, because it's it's coach talk. And last year, Deuce Staley said Miles Sanders was going to touch the ball 30 times a game. Guess how many times he touched the ball 30 times a game? How many t- times he touched it 30 times a game? Zero. Zero times. <laughs> Deuce Staley said he was going to touch it an average of 30 times a game. And now he's giving five less to to uh, to DeAndre Swift. Either way, he already he already disappointed with that being the outlook. Now it look Nick Nick uh what's his last name? Sarcini, right? That's how you say it, Sarcini? Uh, I think you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> From the Colts, a Colts offensive coordinator, he you know he th- throws to the 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 running back out of the backfield but you also know he throw he he throws multiple backs in that backfield so you expect Boston Scott to get some work you expect Miles Sanders to get some work and now they have to he has to split the rushing totals and the rushing yards with Jalen Hurts so I think that Miles Sanders takes a huge hit for me and it sucks because I have Miles Sanders in multiple dynasty leagues including a dynasty league that Jason and I share in the FFPC so I am. Uh, it, it hurts me to say that, but I think the outlook for Miles Sanders goes down with this trade. Nick Sirianni, Tim. So you, you Nick came Sirianni. close. Did you mess up names? No. What I say, Sirianni or something? Uh, close enough. Close enough for you. Former Colts. Uh, former Colts coach. That's that's how yeah. I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I, like the Carson Wentz man. Um. 
how crazy would it be if he like wins MVP and the Colts win the Super Bowl next year? What do you think Philly would do? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that Carson Wentz wins MVP and wins the Super Bowl next year. Uh, I mean, it's, I guess, not out of the realm of possibility because there's a lot of possibilities out there. But I would, I would be pretty, pretty shocked. What would you, what would you put the percentage at? Like, how, how do you think Carson Wentz turns out next year? I mean, I think, I think he's a solid QB. I don't think he's like an MVP though. Do you think he's the best QB in his division? At this, this time next year, because it's a trick question. Because well, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's in the division. Trevor Lawrence is going to be in the division, and uh, Deshaun Watson may or may not be in the division. Yeah, I mean, so it's a obviously it's a little Watson. bit of a trick question. But can he be the? Well, it's not obvious, right? Can he be better than Watson next season? No, no, no. <laughs> it's obvious to me. No, I don't know, man. He's set up for a lot more success than Watson is in his current position. Now, if I had Watson, I think Watson would have a better year on the Colts, all things considered. But I think Wentz on the Colts, it just to me, it just screams perfect. I mean, and I know a and, lot. Of, you and Jay also have Carson Wentz in the FFPC Dynasty League, so this is a nice trade there. Yeah, I mean, you get you win some, you lose some. Um, I mean, this is a good one. This is a good trade for you guys, though. The lining spot is solid. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it sucks for Miles Sanders, who we still who we have on that team. But yeah, all right. And and then finally, the the to be determined, the guys who I'm not in on it. The, the reason why I'm asking about Carson Wentz is because. Look, Carson Wentz looked horrible last season. Um, it was not it, you can't you can't sugarcoat it in any way. Uh, you really can't. So Wentz could be bad. Um, if Wentz is bad, then you know guys like Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, T.Y. Hilton, Mo Ali Cox, uh, you know Jack Doyle, uh, Trey Burton, guys like this, they take hits because they played with a pretty. A good quarterback that spread the ball out to a lot of people uh, in Phillip Rivers, someone who always constantly produces fantasy finishers. Uh, you could say what you want about Phillip Rivers, him, uh, the fantasy player himself. You could say what you want about his Hall of Fame aspirations. But one thing you cannot deny is fan is Phillip Rivers creates fantasy stars. And um, so he's gone now. Uh, so Carson Wentz needs to be better than him. Uh, do I think he will? Y- yes. But there's no guarantee yet. So the jury's still out on these Colts weapons, in my opinion, um, outside of Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you there. It's a long offseason. Let's uh, let's see if how crazy the hype gets for Carson Wentz around like uh, August. I feel like then uh, August, September, if he's one of those guys that gets like the huge hype train that happens to some players, I wonder how high he'll end up going in fantasy leagues because he's going to be a very intriguing fantasy quarterback option this coming season i predict fifth sixth round like end of the fifth well you're bugging what are you what for hurts or Wentz? oh i meant once oh my bad my bad i was talking about hurts <laughs> well what do you what well, i think Wentz probably goes like you know, i think you're bugging for hurts too you think so fifth sixth round is where guys like russell wilson go I think he, uh, yeah, I think he gets the Kyler Murray treatment of last year. I could I could see some people reaching that high and going, bro, it's all about the legs. Watch him ball out for me, expecting to be like a Murray Josh Allen type of blossom. You know, it's a crazy stat that I that really has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I but I thought about it and I wanted to share it with you, Michael. Hit me. I, I actually heard this on the fantasy footballers. 
Last year was the lowest output of fantasy production from running from receiving running backs in the last 10 years and the highest efficiency of running backs on the ground in the last 10 years. That is very, very interesting. Very interesting. So like, I wonder, I I don't think that, you know, you know, they mentioned that, you know, the fact that Christian McCaffrey is out, the fact that, uh, the fact that Saquon Barkley was out definitely affects this, but Alvin Kamara and J.D. McKissick are the only running backs in the league to get over 65 catches this year. So definitely a little bit different than the year before where all the running backs catching the balls were prolific. It's going to be interesting to see uh, if that trend continues next year and or if it was just because these big guys were out. That is pretty interesting. I guess uh, I guess we'll see next year, but I, I do think it, it goes up. I wouldn't expect that level um, t- to happen again where only two running backs catch over. But then again, there's more uh, running back by committees than ever before. So I guess we'll see. It depends on how the backfield shake out. But uh, now we are going to jump into 10 uh, high-profile free agents and our dream fantasy landing spots for each. Um, Tim got five. I got five. We got Kenyon Drake, Chris Godwin, A-Rob, Kenny Galladay, Dak Prescott, Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Carson, Aaron Jones, and Corey Davis. Some high-profile guys there. So, Tim, I want you to – the only quarterback on the list. Hit me with some Dak Prescott. So, Dak Prescott's an interesting case, right? Because Dak Prescott – he, I have five free agents here, and he's going to be the only one that I'm going to say, I want him to go exactly where he is. Mm-hmm. I want him to stay with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I it seems like everyone wants him to stay with the Dallas Cowboys except the Dallas Cowboys because he continues to be disrespected by uh, Jerry Jones and the rest of the, the ownership groups over there because he has done nothing but produce for that team. Uh, in his career, he's like 30 games over 500. He's done nothing but win for that team. And, you know, you saw last year, yo, you can be careful what you wish for without Dak because Dak leaves and you have this high-profile backup who's a starter and could and pfft, you still suck. Word. And Dak was the reason you were, you were winning. And Ezekiel Elliott didn't have the same kind of year. And if anything proved, I think... Dak got more valuable last year in missing time than less valuable because his value was really on display. So I I would like to see him go back to the Cowboys because he has everything he needs there. He has Amari Cooper, who he's already built a relationship with. He has um, CeeDee Lamb, uh, who emerged himself as a really high-quality receiver. He has Michael Gallup, who has proven to be uh, a a, a big deep threat. For Dak in the past, he has Ezekiel Elliott, his boy, his draft mate, um, who in the backfield. Now, is the Cowboys' offensive line what it used to be? No, but it's still a solid offensive line with good pieces, uh, especially when healthy. So I think with Dak Prescott, I'd like to see him get a long, a long-term deal. I think that I don't want to see him come back in a franchise tag. But I think the most ideal spot for for Dak is the spot that he already is, and I think Dallas is the spot that I want to see him land in. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you there. I like that one. Um, the the weapons in Dallas are po- quite possibly second to none when it comes to any other team he could possibly land with. 
But and I didn't even mention the tight end. Yeah. The, uh, Blake Jarwin. And like Dalton Jarwin, Schultz played very well. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Blake Jarwin is is a guy who, when you see him on the screen, he pops out like that guy is a monster. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, and we haven't even seen like yeah. just physically imposing, <laughs> physically imposing guy. So like, I, I just think you know, add that too. It's like it's it's, just, it's an embarrassment of weapons in Dallas. Tim, I'm starting with a a nice juicy one. You ready for this? Is this it? Is this it? Kenyon Drake. Heading back home to the Miami Dolphins. What? Nah, man. Nah, man. I, Dude, I object. Miles Gaskin played very well. Salvon Ahmed played very well. Both of those guys are not as good as Kenyon Drake. And I'm not saying Kenyon Drake is an elite back by any means. I've always liked Kenyon Drake, but he's not. He's, he's never going to be elite. I'll, I'll admit that. But he will be a very solid running back. And we know he could also be a very solid pass catcher out of the backfield. And what did we find out last year with Brian Flores' Miami Dolphins team? They use one running back, period. That one running back is going to be the absolute workhorse. If they don't trust Gaskin and Ahmed going into next season as their, uh, as their running backs, or if they want to look to improve their backfield... I think they may be able to get Kenyon Drake for cheap, and I cannot think of a better landing spot. I think the Dolphins are very underrated in that if a running back signs there, it would be tremendous. Like, if Aaron Jones were to go to Miami or just any, or if they draft a running back in the draft, they are going to what seems to be, based on 2020, Brian Flores doesn't have much of a track record, but seems to be that they are going to a spot where they are going to be getting the ball a ton. So if Kenyon Drake lands in Miami, I think that could be a very, very interesting landing spot. I don't think there's any... I think that's the the spot I'd like to see him land most. It's hard to disagree with you there because I, I feel like Miami is is the, the one spot where you can guarantee the most volume for a running back right now. Like, that's the the biggest glaring running back weakness in the league right now belongs to Miami because they don't really have a, a plan currently or a plan n- not currently or for the future. You know what I mean? Like there's no, uh, Miles there's no Gaskin oh, played well, but I mean, I, uh, like again, he's uh, not the plan, right? Yeah, exactly. He never was the plan. So I, I think that, you know, it's not like, you know, the, the Packers might lose Jones and, and they have AJ Dillon waiting in the wings is, you know, it's, it's not like that. It's, it's um, so yeah, I I like it, Michael. I like it. I like it. Tim, I want your thoughts on the one, the only, the quarterback proof extraordinaire, Mister Allen Robinson. Oh baby, so this one, uh, look, I I'm coming at this from a fantasy perspective. I think it's important of to course, remember that. Of so, so I have to consider fantasy history. Fantasy history tells me. Tim, did you just pour yourself water? Yeah, did you hear that? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> that was hilarious. I heard like the. <laughs> <laughs> so, fantasy history tells me that Allen Robinson is quarterback proof. So, I don't necessarily need to see him with a great quarterback. Now, would that be great for Allen Robinson himself? Yes. Right. But I don't necessarily need to see that in order for me to have confidence that Allen Robinson can be. 
Um, great. So I need to look at fit. I need for him to go somewhere where he is the, no doubt about it, number one target. Because we know that in his career, when he's been healthy, target machine is really the only way you can describe him. So as I look around, I'm looking right at the team that is very close to my heart. I'm looking at the New York Jets. Hey the reason I'm... The reason I'm looking at the New York Jets is because, again, we don't know what the, the quarterback situation is going to be, but we don't care when it comes to Allen Robinson. You might and get some hate for this one, though, Tim. Why? Best landing spot, Jets don't typically go together. <laughs> well, listen, you're about to hear why. The number one reason for me is because of the LaFleur system, right? He's coming uh, from uh, the McVay, Shanahan tree of coaching and we saw this last season and the season before that Devonte adams got completely peppered with targets 24 7 and they find ways to get their number one receivers open they find ways to get their number one receivers the ball the the biggest part about the mcveigh shanahan etc uh lafleur tree that whole that whole system that whole type of style is they get the ball into their playmaker's hands in a position to succeed. And that is something that the Jets have not done, but this is a brand-new regime. And I think that um, Allen Robinson will have a chance to see 10 to maybe even 15 targets per game with the New York Jets. So, Hot name. I mean, 15 targets per game is a, is, is a lot. But you know what I mean? Like 15 targets in a game. Like, I think you can average over 10 targets a game. So, I think that going to a spot where you can get the ball and you have that opportunity when you've already proven that, you know, you don't need a Deshaun Watson, you don't need a guy like that to make you great, I think that Allen Robinson really does fit with the Jets. And not not just because of I'm a homer and I'm hoping for it. I just, I, I mean, if my money is on the Bears franchising him personally, um, but I think the Jets uh, are the best landing spot for him in terms of if he, if he goes into his agent's office and said, "Hey, agent, I want to go to the spot where I'm going to have the best fantasy numbers I possibly can have," I think the Jets are that spot. I think he would uh, request a trade if he were franchise tagged. Maybe that's maybe that's in the cards. I guess we'll see later on in the offseason. That's an interesting one, Tim. That's an interesting one. Um, Chris Godwin is next up for yours truly. This is an interesting one because Chris this Godwin is is, uh, is a jack of all trades. Like I feel like J- Chris Godwin fits on thirty two different teams in the NFL. Exactly, and the, he was by far the hardest for me to pinpoint. Like I I kind of like when I looked at these players, it was kind of like a first a gut type of thing. <laughs> Second, look at teams. Third, consider the rosters and things of that sort. Chris Godwin, I ended up with. This is an interesting one, I, I believe, as well. The Indianapolis Colts. Ooh, yes. I like he. I know they have T.Y. Hilton, but T.Y. is older and hurt very often now. I know they have Paris Campbell. Guess what? Paris Campbell's always hurt. I know they have Michael Pittman. Guess what? Michael Pittman had a solid rookie season, but we're not talking about any clear-cut number one 
like just straight up, I'm a number one wide receiver in the NFL guys here. And Chris Godwin going to Indianapolis would give Carson Wentz an, an immediate, I'm your wide receiver one. I make plays all across the field. I could line up anywhere. You could throw me the ball at any time and I'll be there for you. An option that he really has never had in his career. They're already going uh, all in, uh, trading for Carson Wentz. They're clearly in a win now mode. Um, they have the very solid offensive line. They have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. It may seem on the surface that you're just throwing a wide receiver into a lion's den of other wide receivers, but I think it's clear and obvious that Chris Godwin would automatically be the 1A, um, and the rest would be competing for targets amongst each other. So I think ending up with the Indianapolis Colts, man, would be a a very, very nice spot for Chris Godwin. I, I like it. I I mentioned that there is a plethora of weapons for Carson Wentz there, but there's no proven guy. Like, I mean, T.Y. Hilton's a proven guy, but he's old, right? So he had that nice run. In, but overall, this was a dud of a season for T.Y. Hilton. Um, and, you know, Michael Pittman shows promise. Uh, Paris Campbell shows promise. But if you can get a, a Chris Godwin in there, who we've one of the rare people we've seen succeed in the slot, succeed on the outside, get open anywhere he's at, sure hands. He's only dropped four balls in three years. I think that Chris Godwin to the Colts is a is a really nice fit, Mike. I nice. liked it a lot. All right, Tim, um, I want you to what's up? What's up? I I was honestly, to be honest, I was just were you in just gonna ho- jump into your next I was in, guy? I was in host mode. For I, crying I, out I, loud! I, I was in host mode. I can't help it. Know your role and shut your mouth. Kid. <laughs> uh, All right, Jabroni. Next up, I'll give you Mister. I did not take performance enhancing drugs. Will Fuller. All right. So this one was was uh, going to be strange for me because Will Fuller is an, enig- an enigma. And I don't know if I'm using that word right. <laughs> All right? But it seems like that's the right word to use. If you, you don't know- feel it, that's enigma means if you feel it, then it makes sense. That's what it means for real? No, I'm kidding. I'm just <laughs> Oh. That's not what I thought it meant at all. No, I was just Um, saying that's exactly how you're using it, but okay. Move on. (laughs) Well, he's just a guy who is a a mystery. Um, I I don't know if he could be a number one and carry an offense without a Deshaun Watson getting him the ball. I know that he has home run potential. Tim? So do I... Sorry to cut you off, but an enigma is a person or thing that is mysterious. So you call him a mystery... He's an enigma. I did it. <laughs> I was right. I knew it. Um, I just, you know, people, sometimes I use Yo. word people, people ask me the definition of those words and I just don't know. Bro, I just, yeah. they, just feel, they just feel right. Like enigma to you, you're like, I don't really know how to say it. One word, no matter what, every single time I hear it, I look up the definition and then I immediately forget what it means. And I literally, it's, it's a popular word, but I literally have no idea what it ever means is serendipitous. Uh, it just it's, never it's, clicks in my mind what the fuck serendipitous means. It's like fateful, right? I, I don't ask me. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll forget twelve seconds later. Yeah, I think it's like fateful. Anyway, what was <laughs> I talking about? Uh, Will Fuller. Will Fuller. So I think that you know you, you, you when you you're looking for a place for Will Fuller, do you want him to go to a place <laughs> like the Jets, like the Giants, um, like uh, maybe the Bears if they lose Allen Robinson? Where he could be the one A, 
where he is alpha or I want I'm throwing a, a boomerang here. I'm throwing a curveball. I want Will Fuller to go to the LA Rams. Here's why I want Will Fuller to go to LA Rams. We've seen McVay run a high-powered passing offense in the past. But the last couple of years, two things have gotten in the way. The first thing was the unexpected rapid decline of Todd Gurley. The second thing was the a little more expected rapid decline of Jared Goff. So two years in a row, you have the decline of the guys that you banked on. Now you've developed Cam Akers into a weapon. And you've traded for Matt Stafford, right? So let's go back to the big days where Cooper Cup was at his best coming out of the slot. Robert Woods was at his best being a possession receiver. And then you had the true deep threat, but also overall just good receiver in Will. In Will Fuller's former teammate last year, Brandon Cooks. If Will Fuller could take that Brandon Cooks role, I think that has a lot of potential because you know Sean McVay likes throwing wrenches in people's plans. Oh, you think you know what I'm going to do? Well, now I'm going to have Tyler Higby set the record for most yards in the history of tight ends. Oh, you think you know what I'm going to do? Oh, actually, I'm going to become a run-first offense and I'm never going to pass ever. Oh, you think you know what I'm going to do? Uh, and then he switches it up again. What would be more surprising if 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 McVeigh decides to go back to that high powered vertical passing game with a guy who can? I think that this is the most important part. Matt Stafford is a significantly better quarterback than Jared Goff is, in my opinion. He is a a, a clear tier upgrade, at least one tier upgrade over Jared Goff. He has the ability to make these throws, and if you give him a weapon like Will Fuller on the outside. That, I mean, in in all reality, I think that they're hoping Van Jefferson grows into that role this year. So I don't know if they necessarily think that they need a Will Fuller type, especially because they're paying a lot of money uh, to that roster right now. So this is probably not a realistic thing. But if I'm just looking at it from a fantasy perspective, I think Will Fuller to the L.A. Rams is something that is uh, has a lot of potential to be an explosion type of situation. That's a... Uh... Interesting, Tim. Um, to say that's his like ideal landing spot, it's a it's a little loco in my opinion. What would you say? What would you say? Like, you, would you want him to be a a one A? You would want I him would, to yeah. be like I'd, I'd want him like, to be one of the main options easily. So, like, like you'd have him, you'd have him go to like the Jets or the Giants or you know like the the teams that could, need yeah, clear number one be, options. Yeah, something like that. That's, what about like Jacksonville to go play with Trevor Lawrence? That's that's interesting. I, I didn't think about that one, but that would that would seemingly make some sense. Opposite DJ Chark. I could do this all fucking day. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll I'll go next with um one of my old time favorite players who's just been uh pretty frustrating actually uh, the last couple of years, Juju Smith Schuster. Um I have Juju Smith Schuster here going to the Las Vegas Raiders. I have Juju Smith-Schuster going to the Las Vegas Raiders because Derek Carr stinks. And that may seem like a weird reason why, but Derek Carr also does not throw to anyone except Darren Waller, really. 
because his weapons just aren't really very good. I mean, he had Terrell the Gazelle, but he ended up getting hurt. Um, Hunter Renfro is whatever. The Brian Edwards was everyone's favorite guy going into the season, the rookie, and he really had no impact at all. They need a weapon that isn't Darren Waller. And for whatever reason, Derek Carr likes to throw to the slot guy. Um, well, I mean, Darren Waller, excuse me, Derek Carr likes to throw to the slot guy. Darren Waller comes out of the slot sometimes. Particularly Hunter Renfro in games where other players were injured had some really big games and some very high target totals. And it's not like Hunter Renfro is some tremendous NFL receiver. Um, if Juju Smith-Schuster takes over that role, it'll give the Raiders and Carr an actual threat outside of Darren Waller. Uh, Juju could line up in the slot. He could line up outside if they'd like. Um, he's I don't know if he's a number one type wide receiver, but if he becomes a possession type receiver for Derek Carr, that could lead to some very nice games. I doubt he'd have a very high yards per reception in that offense, but if he gets like seven receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown, you're not going to complain about that. Um, I think Juju to the Raiders, him and Darren Waller setting up as the main pass catching options would be a, would be a solid landing spot. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, Michael. I, I didn't really think about that, but it makes a lot of sense because you you got to think about this too, and you didn't even mention Henry Ruggs. Yeah, who was there? Who was there first? Him. Yeah, who was their first round pick this year in a the first wide receiver taken in a despicably r- ridiculous field of wide receivers, um, and he didn't do much last year. And then, and you know, I think that get a guy like Juju coming in and taking the, a little bit of pressure off Rugs and making the double teams a little more unlikely and opening up the top a little bit more by working the middle could be really good for that team overall. And he kind of fits that personality too. Like I can imagine him like in Las Vegas, like, like entering into tournaments and shit for like video games and like taking pictures, like on the, like in like pools and shit, like, you know, like doing shit like that, that he likes to do. Um, you know, Vegas is a good place for that. And I think that, you know, John Gruden is like a TV personality. This dude's a TV personality. Uh, you know, so it's it's interesting. Yo, I was just thinking, remember when Antonio Brown was on the Raiders for that little while and he was yep. just like complete mayhem? And one of the things he did was record John Gruden telling him like, yo, everything's good. Come back to the team. And then he put like a, a video out. Do you remember that video? I I don't remember what happened in it, but I do remember. Oh my god! It was oh my what a what a cringeworthy thing. I I I hope Juju doesn't become that, but I mean John Gruden is like that t- that big personality type. No one's as big as Antonio Brown, but he's that type. So I think Juju definitely fits there. That's a, it's a great it's a great uh it's a great match there. Tim, this is a a big one, a big one. So don't fuck it up. All right. All right. But likely. And really, undoubtedly, the best running back on the market, Mr. Aaron Jones. So here's another one where you got to think to yourself, if you're a GM, the, the Packers and Aaron Jones relationship has always been one where they never wanted to give him the keys fully. Right? They never wanted to... 
hand over the rock to him 100% and say, Aaron Jones, you are the man of this offense. Take it yourself. Go yonder. Like they go never yonder. <laughs> go yonder with it. They never told him that. They they always had him splitting carries. They never like until this season, they never even committed to him being kind of like the starter. You know, he had to earn everything that he got in Green Bay. And now when it's time to pay him, Green Bay seems very, you know, content with handing the keys to AJ Dillon and letting Aaron Jones walk. And that, to me, if I'm a GM for another team, speaks some volumes. So, if I'm a GM, I'm looking at Aaron Jones, and I think that he's not going to be in a situation where he's going to go to a place where he's the main guy. So, a, a place like the Dolphins would be a phenomenal landing spot for him because he would be that guy. He would be the guy for sure. The Bills would be another really phenomenal landing spot because he gets to be in an offense where they could use his skills really well. But I don't think that he'll go to either of those places because I think that Aaron Jones, um, just in in how he's viewed, um, is not going to have an opportunity to go to those places because I don't think those teams are going to pursue him. So it makes you think, like, all right, so which team could then make his abilities what he is, right? He's explosive. He's a good runner. He's a good pass catcher. He's an all-around back, but he's a little smaller than the average back. So that's why people don't give him the love that he deserves. So where could he go and have those skills accentuated? And he is going to go. Well, I don't really think. I think actually he might go here in real life. Um, But I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the best fit for him in terms of his skill set. He can go there and split the rock with Ronald Jones. Um, He could play that Leonard Fournette. Fournette role where uh, where he but he's much better at catching the ball than Leonard Fournette is obviously uh, he could catch the ball from Tom Brady who throws the ball to running backs in his career over and over and over and over again um, he gives that dimension to the offense that dimension that frankly the offense lacked for a long time I think that in the beginning of the year you saw the Tampa Bay offense really struggle and that's because they're throwing to the running back game uh, was really off. They made that adjustment um, during the during the their late bye week, where they kind of got rid of that out of their game. Like they didn't really throw much uh, to the running back out of the backfield. So I think that if you put Aaron Jones in there, it brings back that element and it makes Tom Brady's life easier. And Aaron Jones has a chance to go to a contender. He has a chance to shine, but he also has a chance to do what he does best: get the rock. 55% of the time rather than 65% of the time. Like, and and be in a timeshare where he could take a breather and he doesn't have to bear the entire brunt of um of the defense and that his, you know, that his body might not be able to handle. So I think that uh that's where I would love to see him go. I think that that's where his skill set would shine the brightest. I I guess I feel like if he's gonna stay in a timeshare, he might as well stay in Green Bay. <laughs> I th- I think that's what he would want, but I I, th- I don't think Green Bay wants that. Yeah, well, that's fair. Um, I got two players left. I'm going to I'm gonna save what I think is the best for last. So I'm gonna go to Corey Davis here. Um, a lot of potential landing spots for Corey Davis, 
as you know, we created true throw value because of Corey Davis and his lack of um, his lack of efficiency throughout his first several years in the league really started to blossom last season. Finally, uh, a, a late breakout. I'm not sure if he's good enough to be a wide receiver one for a team. So I didn't go that route. I'm putting him on the Kansas City Chiefs. Huh. Patrick Mahomes has had Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, no one else for the last uh, couple of years. I Don't even get me started with Sammy Watkins. Cool. He has a big week one every year. The dude sucks. Demarcus Robinson is whatever. Nicole Hardman's just a speedy gadget player. They have not... Patrick Mahomes has not had an actual third passing option to look towards literally at any point in his career that he could trust week in and week out. And if Corey Davis goes there opposite Tyreek Hill and mixed in there with Travis Kelsey, he's not going to see a bunch of targets most likely, but he will have a quarterback who's going to end top five in true throw value, very similarly to Ryan Tannehill, where each target he gets will be super efficient. So his five targets from Ryan Tannehill if he were to go somewhere like uh, the Jets or Jacksonville or something like that, and you see seven or eight targets, might not be worth as much as the lesser targets amount from uh, from Patrick Mahomes. So I think Patrick Mahomes, we saw in the Super Bowl, uh, I mean, Kelsey and Hill, you can't, like, you need another option. You can't just force feed two people over. I mean, I guess you can. Patrick Mahomes has had a lot of success doing that. But having another solid option would be huge for him, I think. Um, I think Corey Davis could have a very nice complementary role on on that offense um, alongside Hill and Kelsey. Interesting. Interesting play. I hear, the, I hear talk about the Giants getting Corey Davis. I think that's a bad fit. Yeah, I don't really see that. I mean, they got to move on from Daniel Jones, but that's that's topic for another podcast. Uh, Tim, yes, yes. lastly for you is another running back, f- soon-to-be former Seahawk, Chris Carson. Uh, reports are that they don't want him back. Yep. Which is very interesting because uh, I have Rashad Penny on my dynasty team. Yeah, yeah. Rashad anyway. Penny. I mean, who else? Someone they draft or someone who isn't Rashad Penny. All right, but as of February 19th, who else? Tim, Travis Homer. Go ahead. Travis Homer. Travis Homer. That's right. Homer, my balls. You asked. Anyway, Chris Carson. Um, Let me ask you another question, Michael. When you think of Chris Carson, what do you think of? A very good, very underrated running back. Good, underrated fighter, right? Seventh round pick. Like a blue-collar type of guy. A guy who's going to grind out the tough yards, hard-nosed runner, not flashy. You never really hear him speak to the media and stuff. Just a a man's man kind of guy. And what team appreciates the blue-collar more than the the Buffalo Bills? The Buffalo Bills are in dire need. Of a running back. Devin Singletary sucks. Zach Moss sucks. Now you need a running back there. And he fits them so perfectly. There is literally not a better match in the league right now than Chris Carson to the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. 
Uh, he gives them that running game. He gives them that hard-nosed attitude that um, the Bills are known for. He gives them that different option. I think people sleep on the fact that Chris Carson's also a pretty damn good receiver. We saw him be a good receiver, so that it gives them that uh, dimension, at least. If not, you know, he's not the greatest receiver ever, but he's better than Singletary and, and Moss, that's for damn sure. So they, he gives them that aspect. So I think that not only does he have a chance to obviously be on a high-powered offense and play with Josh Allen and playing uh, for a, a good offensive line, for a good coach, um, a really great offensive mind in Brian Dayball, uh, I think that it's just a good fit naturally because that's the personality of – well, the personality that at least we see of Chris Carson. So uh, not only fantasy-wise but regular NFL-wise, I think that Chris Carson to the Bills is one of the better fits that, we, that we're going to see. That was pro- it's probably one of my favorite ones that you chose. I'll, I'll give yeah. that one to you. Um, I doubt that happens because, I mean, they have Singletary and Moss and they spent – draft capital on both of those guys in back-to-back drafts so just giving up on them eh, or uh complimentary role i don't really see that happening i think they stick with those two but i mean if they're seriously trying to be super bowl contenders and have an actual running game then i do think chris carson would be pretty damn perfect for that offense and wasn't there wasn't there like i could have sworn now this could be complete like fake news or something but i saw a stat that said 81 percent like the the Bills threw eighty one percent of the time in the playoffs. I I mean I I can't not tell you if that's true or not. <laughs> I mean, but I mean to to even for me to even have that thought, it gives you like an understanding that the running game was an absolute no show in the playoffs this year. Yeah, it seems a bit high, um, but it was it, it was definitely a, a high number. This is an absolute no show. Lastly, Tim, this is probably my my favorite one, which is why I saved it for last. And a couple things would have to happen for this to happen, but I, I would, oh man, maybe jizz in my pants. Kenny Galladay, we're talking about, folks, heading to the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, Mike Whoa. Williams had his fifth year option exer- exercised last year, but that doesn't mean they have to keep him. They can cut him with a zero dollar salary cap hit, or trade him and get the fifteen million dollars off the books. I do not see them keeping Mike Williams for $15 million after everything he's been through with them. Um, unable, unable to stay healthy, unable to be a consistent force in that offense. Kenny Galladay is the 10 times better version of Mike Williams. We are talking about the one of the very best downfield big weapons in the league combined with Justin Herbert, who in his rookie season literally showed he may have one of the best deep balls like ever in NFL history. Like if his deep ball prowess from his rookie season continues into future seasons, he may end up being like one of the best deep ball passers ever. That's how ridiculously good he was throwing downfield this past season. Keenan Allen still on that team, still perennially underrated, but that's not his role. Kenny Galladay would be stepping into that role Think of all the times Mike Williams caught the ball downfield. Think of all the times Jalen Guyton caught the ball downfield. Now imagine if that's Kenny Galladay doing it. Kenny Galladay would be an absolute star with Justin Herbert in that offense, and I would be, oh man, I would just be so ready for it. That would be something else. 
That would be a, a lightning show. Yeah, that would be, I think, that would be fun. Kenny Gallagher is another one of those guys who, like, he just kind of fits on every team in the NFL. Like, you, you, you think about, like, where would Kenny Galladay be a bad fit? And there really is no place where Kenny Galladay would be a bad fit because he does everything. Like, he has the ability to go deep. He has the ability to be a possession guy. He has he can go up and get it. Kenny Galladay is an all-around receiver, just like Chris Goblin. Yeah. And that's the show, folks. Uh, thank you for listening. If you, I mean, if you agree with us, let us know. If you disagree with us, hint, hint, Tim's A-Rob to the Jets, let us know on uh, – <laughs> Twitter, <laughs> Twitter at Broto Fantasy. Um, I'm at Broto FF Mike on Twitter. Jason is at Broto FF Jason. Tim, at Broto FF Tim. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Broto Fantasy uh, for extra episodes, a Discord community, a chance to play with us, um, a lot more. We did Super Bowl boxes and gave away uh, sweaters, totes, water bottles, things of that sort. We got. Totes. We sent out our party belt belts to the Patreon League winners. Uh, this past week, they sent us pictures rocking it. Probably going to be posted on Twitter um, sometime soon to just represent. But, yeah, it's it's a ridiculously fun community, and you get a lot of extras. Uh, the Brodo Dugout, also, if you're a fantasy baseball player, already posted targets and fades in the first 10 rounds. More coming for that as well. So check out the Patreon if you have not yet. And uh, thanks for listening. Anything so else, Tim? If- so this is what it feels like at the end of the shows with you being you just like just I just kind of sit there. Yeah, you just kind of wait. I I've learned to really <laughs> zone out when you do the. Outros. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, well, there you go. All right. Later. Uh, peace. <laughs>